0: Bibles I want you to take them to Jonah, Jonah chapter number one. if you would please stand out of honor and reverence to God 's word, Jonah chapter number one. A few weeks ago, we started through Jonah, verse by verse, and we find ourselves at verse number 11. We'll read down through verse number 16, and I want to talk to you this morning about the aftermath of a a stormy mess. The aftermath of a stormy mess. Let's go look at our text. Jonah chapter 1 verse number 11. And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea might be calm unto us? For the sea roared and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth uh, into the sea. And so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for your sake, for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord. We beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. The aftermath of a stormy mess. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I'm so thankful that I can always count on your timing. God, you know what we need when we need it you know uh, our lives and in the, in the tangled mess that they are. Father, I pray that tonight would be right on time. That this morning you would speak expressly to our hearts, whatever our condition, wherever we may be. Father, I pray you would speak to us through the story of Jonah the account of him being thrown over, overboard. Father, I pray you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit of God, you are welcome in this place. God, I pray nothing, nothing would quench or hinder or squelch the work of the Holy Spirit of God. God, take your word and go out in power and speak to hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hurricane Andrew was, at the time of its occurrence, the most destructive hurricane in United States history. Andrew made landfall on August the twenty fourth of nineteen ninety two in the small suburb town of Miami, Florida, called Homestead. Its severe winds and gusts were a hundred and seventy seven miles per hour, and they wreaked havoc. Damage, uh, catastrophic damage across, uh, uh, damage along the coast and nearby inland areas around Miami. A total of 63,000 homes were destroyed and more than 100,000 others were damaged, leaving roughly 175,000 people homeless. As many as 1.4 million people lost power at the height of the storm. Andrew spawned at least 28 tornadoes along the Gulf Coast and especially Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. Throughout its path, Andrew left 65 people dead and $43.8 billion in damage. Later on, in an article in Christianity Today, Billy Graham tells a story about how his grandson was working in the aftermath of Hurricane Andrew. He said in the aftermath of Hurricane Andrew's devastation, My grandson, Stephen Nelson, was working night and day helping the survivors to get water and food. And he noticed a sign on the roof of one of the houses. And this is what it read. Okay, God, you got our attention. Now what? God has a way of getting our attention. Over the last verses in the first chapter of Jonah, God is trying to get Jonah's attention. The result of a storm that God hurled at a disobedient prophet, caught up all the sailors and all the people on board. A storm that would not only sweep up Jonah, but the entire crew that he was on as his getaway ship. Realizing this was no ordinary stone, the sailors cast lots, do you remember? They cast lots to try to decide on whose account the storm came. And the lot fell to Jonah. And Jonah dutifully tells that he is a Hebrew and that he's running from God. Now what? We followed the storm and now it's gotten their attention. Now they're standing on the decks of the ship. How will they respond to God? God's got everybody's attention. What will the aftermath of this storm reveal? What lies in the wake of this targeted hurricane? As with Hurricane Andrew, the storm impacted many different people in different ways. What about your storm? Where you are? The deck of your ship. Whether you're Job or Jonah. All of us are going to go through the storm. What lay in the aftermath of your storm? What lesson has God revealed to you? Did God get your attention? Or better yet, is God getting your attention? What was your reaction? All these questions we see answered in these characters in the account of Jonah. But the real question is, how are they answered by you? That's the whole goal of preaching the Bible, right? This is not a history lecture. Lecture. I am not here to give you insights and facts into what took place, their their customs, and the, the word syntax of the Bible. I am to try to lay the story beside your life and mine, to see where the parallels are, to hear the voice of God through the scriptural account. I want us to look at the lives of these affected lives affected by this storm and see if their outcome. It's not a reflection of our own. You see, every one of us can more clearly see what God is doing in the storms that come our way by recognizing three facts from this storm in these verses. So I want to give you three facts. Number one, the first fact is this. This storm lay in its aftermath a stony heart we could say that the first fact is a stony heart exposed. Have you ever heard the slogan, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger? The phrase seems to say that if we survive the hard things in life, then we are only made that much harder ourselves, like steel steel hardened in the blacksmith's oven that is pounded and heated and pounded and, and squelched in the hissing fire. You know, when that iron go or that steel goes into that vat of water and it hisses like that, you know what happens? The outside metal of that piece of steel, the outside uh, uh, crust of that steel just gets harder and harder. You know, the same could be said with souls hurled into the fire of of trial. Uh, 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 They just seem to be all the more harder on the other side of the storm. That's the case with Jonah. Jonah's not budging. Jonah's not softened one bit. As a matter of fact, this storm only made him more hard in his rebellion against God. Notice first of all, I want you to see what the storm could not do. What the storm could not do. Look at verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Looking back... Well, I want you to look back with me at verses nine and 10, nine and 10, he said unto them, then, he said unto them, "I am a Hebrew and I fear the, the Lord, the God of heaven, which, may, which hath made the sea and the dry land." Then were the men of exceedingly afraid and said to them, "Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Deep within, as Jonah relayed who he was and what he was doing, I wonder if in his hearts of hearts he said, There, I said it. I've been keeping it down deep in my own heart this entire trip, but fine, I said it. I'm a Hebrew, a prophet of God, and I'm running from God. Are you happy now? Is that what you wanted to know? Although the storm distilled out of Jonah an admission, and maybe even a confession, it did not bring Jonah to repentance. Jonah admitted something. Jonah made a confession, brought it to the light of day, and yet there was no repentance. The question that the sailors asked in verse 10 must have been like the hissing Of hot metal. How could you have done this? I can only see Jonah's back become more stiff. As they probe with their questions. I can see his fist clench. I can see the muscle in his jaw tighten. As he stood there in rebellion. Deep down, he knew why. He knew the answer. He refused to be any part of the potential for God to be merciful to Nineveh. I find it so amusing, so amusing, that these sailors, pagan Gentile sailors... Will do their best in coming verses to prevent the death of Jonah. And Jonah could care less in his self righteousness for Nineveh. For a people that are bent on destruction. How ironic. They cared more for Jonah than Jonah cared for Nineveh. He would grit his teeth. In the latter part of verse number 11, look at what it says. They were asking the question, What shall we do that the sea might be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Notice the phrase wrought and was tempestuous. The word wrought indicates that the storm was only becoming more and more tempestuous. With every word that came out of Jonah's mouth, the wind got stronger, the waves got higher. Uh, uh, the 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 rain came down harder. The sea raged all the more. One would think that Jonah just saying the facts would have would have would have sufficed. Would have appeased God. But no. With Jonah's words, he said it. That settles it. It's a matter of fact now. And he stands there like a marble statue on that on that deck. This storm could not break the heart or the will of this backslidden preacher. We all know the story though, don't we? You know the story in Sunday school. The story doesn't end with Jonah standing like a marble statue on the deck of that ship. No, no, no. The storm wouldn't break his heart. But when Jonah is thrown into the sea, And finds himself in the belly of the fish. And goes down to the bottom of the bottom for him. It takes that far for him to be broken. Broken to repentance. We'll see it in the next chapter. Uh, Jonah cries out for God's salvation. Cries out for God's forgiveness. Cries out for God to relieve him from his state in the belly of that fish. But not... On the deck of the boat. I'm convinced. And you cannot change my mind on this. I'm convinced. That if Jonah would have fallen to his knees. On the deck of that ship. And cried out to God for repentance. And released, uh, released himself. And relented to God's will. Jonah would have been spared. The waters would have been calmed. And those sailors would have did an about face back to Joppa. What about you? Your storm is not fierce weather. No, your storm is financial woes. Your storm's not meteorological. It's marital. It's not a hurricane catastrophe. It's a health crisis. Is God getting your attention? Listen. I understand that not every trial, not every storm is part of a punishment for sin, but oftentimes we know when it is. I've said that before. I can't say it enough in this series. Jonas running from God. We know what does it take for God to get yours and my attention? Is this storm only making you harder? <laughs> Some people are so stubborn. That when they go through the storm, all it does was, is firm up their, their resolve. I'm not giving in. I'm not dealing with it. I'm just going to keep brave. I, God will not break me. I'm in the right here, not these circumstances. I'm Job, not Jonah. And all the while, we know. We know we're Jonah. We know we're guilty. We know that we've called down what's upon us. Don't be fooled into thinking that you can hold your breath long enough and God, like a toddler, and God will give in like an overprotective parent. No, no, no. Just because you throw a fit and roll around on the floor and froth at the mouth, God's not going to back off. He knows what it'll take. To break you. No, the boat didn't break Jonah. What lies ahead broke Jonah. But in this picture, we see what the storm could not do. And what we take from that is, listen, if God's got your number, if God is chastening you, you're not going to outlast Him. He's going to get what He wants. God will... Heighten the circumstances. God will turn up the heat until He gets out of you what He wants. Hebrews 4 7 says, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Stay tender. Don't be so hard-hearted that you can't hear God speak to you and you think God's speaking to everybody else, me included. The storm, what the storm could not do, but what the servant chose to do. Look at verse number 12. And Jonah he and he said unto them, Take me up. Cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. These sailors beg Jonah. What will it take to appease your God? They're completely in the dark. They have no idea what, they, what Jonah's God needs to turn back this wrath. What will turn the wrath away from us? These pagan sailors are completely dark. They have no idea what they have to do, what they can do to avert this deadly storm. And Jonah knows. Jonah knows. They may be in the dark, but not Jonah. Jonah knows. Psalm thirty-two, one: Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He knows Proverbs 28.13 He that covereth his sins shall not prosper but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Psalm 86.5 For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Listen, Jonah should have led an old-fashioned prayer meet right there on the deck of that ship. He should have been leading. Everybody get on your knees. Everybody bow down. Let's look unto heaven and cry out to Yahweh. Cry out to Jehovah for God to turn this storm. But that's not what Jonah said. He knew what it would take to change the course of events. And he didn't tell them. What does he tell him? Throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. This man was so... Hardened in his sin, that he would rather die than repent. He would rather God kill him than for him to humble himself before his God. This is a suicidal request. You know, Saul, King Saul did the same thing. He went further and further down the path of rebellion and sin until finally he asked his armor bearer to run him through with a sword. Instead of calling on God in brokenness, in repentance, to a God that delights in mercy, delights in forgiveness and goodness, Saul thought better to end his life. And Saul, King Saul was successful. Jonah was swallowed. I believe I said this in an earlier message, but it bears repeating. God cares for you when you don't even care for yourself. When you're so in love with your sin and so in love with your way of life, your broad road living, That you could care less of the consequences when you are so addicted to your sin that nothing else is in front of you but satisfying the, the longings and desires and sinful desires of your heart, that you could care less what God does. I want you to understand something God cares more for you than you do yourself, God cares for you. Jonah chose rather to die than to eat crow, repent, and do God's will. But God refused to let His servant go. God refused to wash His hands and say, I'm done with you. Let Him drown to the bottom of the sea. I could care less. No, that's not our God. It is a God, as the hymn says, that will not let me go. If you belong to Him, if you know Him, if you've trusted Him, He won't let you go. He may drive you to the depths of the sea. He may put you in the most grotesque and awful place you've ever been where your only heart screams for God's deliverance. He won't let you go. He won't let you go. Wandering into a far country of sin. Driving deeper and deeper in rebellion. Hoping that God will forget about you and wash His hands of you. You need to know that He will not let you go. Second of all, the aftermath of this storm. What this storm brings about is not only a stony heart exposed. I want you to see a sinner's hope expressed. A preacher friend of mine at the last tri state meeting uh, brought before the men a, a handy memorization tool to memorize more scripture. I'd been looking for something for a while. I've been wanting to, to try to hide more of God's word in my heart than I do have. And I've been looking for the right tool, and, and uh, as soon as I saw it, this is it. Ordered one for me, one for Carrie. We're trying to learn different verses, trying to memorize different scripture. Be careful if you do it while you're going down the road. You were sent to Taco Bell to get tacos, you'll drive right past it. Amen. <laughs> trying to memorize scripture. The first thing that we, the first page and set of, of verses we've been trying to memorize are about blindness, darkness, how that those without Christ are in darkness. Proverbs four nineteen. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Romans 1.21 Here I'm peeking. Romans 1.21 Knowing God because they because when they knew God they glorified Him not as God neither were thankful, but their foolish heart. Uh, but they became uh, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was dark and darkness. Those words, those verses give us the sense of darkness. These sailors are in darkness. They don't know Jehovah. They don't know Jonah's God. They don't know what will appease that God. What, will delight, what delights Him. What will overthrow this storm. They had no idea what was taking place when they welcomed this Hebrew passenger on board. They were in complete darkness as far as God was concerned. But though the ministry but through the ministry of the storm a light was dawning. Jehovah was revealing himself through the circumstances of life. Even if it was through a very unwilling and reluctant prophet. And in this revelation these sailors find Hope. Notice first of all, I want you to see their senseless attempt. Their senseless attempt. Look at verse number 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. So Jonah put the remedy in front of these men under no uncertain terms. The only way out of this storm is to take me and throw me overboard. This was out to maritime murder. This was this was uh, this was uh, taking another person's life—a criminal act on the high seas. I mean, it was a death sentence. To be out in that ocean was a death sentence. And even if they weren't in a hurricane and hurricane force winds, this was unthinkable. The death of one person to save the whole crew. It's just unthinkable for them. So this can't happen. They can't do this. It's not possible. So what they do is they do what they did in verse number 13. And they took oars and tried to row towards The land. Despite the message from Jonah, they decided to do it on their own. To save themselves. They tried to do the best in those troubled waters. And they pulled with everything they had. And one moment it seems like they were a few feet closer, but with a few waves and a few winds, they were leagues away from the coastline. In verse number 13, their hope could be seen in their attempt to save themselves. They pulled hard. They tried hard. They don't want to throw this man overboard. They cared enough about him in common grace not to take his hind end and throw him over the side. They tried to row themselves to safety. Tried to save themselves. As hard as they paddled. And as hard as they strove against the waves, they could not escape God's wrath. God's judgment on sin. Sin was in the boat. Sin was the albatross hung around all of their necks on that boat. Nothing they could do about it. And the harder they strove, the further into God's judgment they went. This is such a picture of the plight of the wrestling sinner, under conviction of the Holy Spirit, enough light has dawned upon their heart, they begin to realize God's wrath, God's judgment upon sin. They begin to realize what awaits them at the moment of their death. And though they strive hard, they cannot save themselves. They try to save themselves. Conscience shining a light on their sin is standing there calling, uh, calling for the judgment of sin. You cannot save yourself. You cannot paddle hard enough. You can't wander far enough. You can't get far enough away from God. You'll never be good enough. You can't run far enough. You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. You know, teenager, if you think by putting it off and putting it off down the road that one day you'll save, one day you'll be all right. I'm sorry, it'll never happen. That day will never come. You cannot save yourselves. Romans 3:20: "Therefore, by the deeds of the law uh, uh, of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight." For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You trying to do better and failing, you trying to make it right with God and constantly failing, really shows you the evidence that you need a Savior. Today, God is bearing down on your soul in conviction, and you're trying so hard to paddle upstream, and it's a senseless attempt at saving yourself. Their first hope was. Save myself. I don't need that preacher. I don't need that Bible. I don't need that church. I'll do what I please. I'll put God as far away from my conscience and my being and my moral stability and my, and my, uh, my paradigm. The, the things that I live by. I'll put it so far away that I'll draft God from my universe. You cannot escape conscience. You cannot escape the Word of God. You're not in darkness anymore. I may not be much of a preacher, but I'm enough to bring light into your heart and life by God's Word. There's enough for the light to dawn on. And you can't run away from that. You can't ignore it. Theirs was first of all a senseless attempt. And then also a sincere appeal. Look at verse number 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and said we beseech thee O Lord We beseech thee Let us not perish for this man's life but And lay not upon us innocent blood For thou O Lord Hast done as it pleased thee They have to, they have, to have Been at a point In which all the sailors Put down their oars and said it's useless We can't paddle to shore If we don't do something soon, this boat's going to capsize. Glad day. Glad, happy day in my own heart when I realized I could not save myself. I could not run any further. I couldn't get far enough away from conscience and the Word of God to squelch out God's light. Stopped ignoring God. Stopped running from God. It was at that point that all eyes must have turned to Jonah. Now, as the Bible does in so many places in the Old Testament, there is a flash of gospel. A moment of the brief diamond light of the gospel of Jesus Christ right here on the deck of this ship. As the lightning flashes of this storm, I want you to see not Jonah... I want you to see Jesus. Just for a moment. As the lightning flashes and you try to recognize that stoic character on the deck, instead of seeing Jonah, see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. There was another way to find safety. There was no other way to find safety. Taking the captain and throwing him overboard as all good captains should go down with the ship, wouldn't avert the storm. Jonah was the only one that could save the ship. Jonah was their only chance. Nobody else. Could appease the wrath of God. Nobody else could stay the wind and the waves. Peter said it this way. Neither is there any name under, uh, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name. Away with this coexist bumper sticker. Jesus is not some choice among other saviors, among other gurus. He is exclusively the Savior of the world. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And with that prayer, The prayer given to us in verse number 14. With that prayer, they laid hold of Jonah in faith and they flung him into the sea. They laid hold of him in faith. As horrifying as it was uh, to throw this man overboard, it pleased God. Of one of his own creatures please God. But do we not know in Isaiah 53 that, that the death of the Lamb of God on the cross pleased the it pleased the Lord to bruise him? May I remind you that in the fullness of time, God was pleased to send his own dear son Jesus to the cross of Calvary that he might suffer and die in our stead. And for 2,000 years, wind weary sinners have reached in desperation for that cross and find refuge in that, in that sanctuary, found refuge in Jesus. Lost sinner, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross is salvation. Fling to Jesus. Cast yourself down before Him. First 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which believe, which are saved, it is the power of God. Cling to the. As these men laid hold of Jonah, they are taking hold of their only way of salvation. They are being obedient to the very Word of God given by that unwilling prophet. Last of all, a stony heart was exposed in the aftermath of the storm. A sinner's hope is expressed in this storm. Finally, a sovereign help is experienced in the aftermath of this song. You know, God responds to faith. Church, God responds to faith. God resp- acted, Moses acted in faith and God spared Isaac. Mo- uh, Abraham acted in faith and God, God uh, spared Isaac. Moses acted in faith and God parted the Red Sea. The children of Israel acted in faith and the walls of Jericho came crashing down. David acted in faith and Goliath was defeated. Elijah acted in faith and fire fell from heaven. For these men, windswept in this storm, God's character proves to be unchanging. He still responds Notice first of all, I want you to see as God sovereignly helps in this scene. I want you to see that the sea sea is calm. Look at verse number 15. And so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. I like what one preacher said. And as quickly as the splash from Jonah's body arose from the surface of the water, The text says the sea ceased from raging. The word ceased here, it means to stand still. Before Jonah's body went kerplunk, everything was calm. The stormy skies opened up like a a veil. And all that could be heard was a passing albatross uh, squawking by the The vessel. It was calm. No doubt these men had never known such calm seas as when Jonah's body drifted down into the depths of the ocean. Oh, but is that not the way it is when we come to a bloody cross revealing our shame and confessing our need and begging for God's mercy and we hear the voice of Jesus say, It is finished! Forgiveness of sins can be found at that cross. His blood availed for my sin. The wrath of God that had me in its crosshairs was poured out unabated on His dear Son on that cross. I need not fear the death angel anymore, for the blood of Jesus now girds my little and doorpost, saving me from death's angel. I need not fear the gaping mouth of hell that has nipped my heels all of my life for now the gates of God's grace and mercy have opened to me, leading me to a place in glory. All oh. oh, the winds died and the sea calmed. And so it is with anyone that trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank God for the day. That in my sinful condition, when I cried out to Him, He calmed the seas. He calmed my heart and life and saved me. Calmed my raging seas. He saved me from death, hell and the grave. Oh, grave! Where is thy sting? Oh, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Gone, gone, gone. My sins are gone. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus took my sins away. They, the sea was calmed. They experienced the calm of God in the seas. Last of all, not only the sea calmed, but the soul changed. Look at verse 16. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. In that moment of calm, God took center stage in the hearts and lives of these men. Back in verse number 5, they were telling every man, pray to his own God. They were bowing down and and they were praying to Dagon and Chemosh and Ashtar, the gods that have ears but cannot hear, that have mouths but cannot speak, that have arms but cannot reach. And now all of a sudden, these men look to the heavens and see the God of all gods. The one true and living God. You know the same thing that happened to these sailors happened in Thessalonica. When Paul wrote to them about their conversion to Christ, he said, For they themselves show for us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's exactly the testimony of these sailors Saved from the gaping mouth of destruction. And now entering into peace and worshiping the one true God. In that moment, their souls were changed. In that moment, they were no longer the same. They were brought from darkness to light. I have no salvation litmus test. I can't pull it out of my Bible and have you spit on it. And if it turns purple, you're saved. But I do know this. If you've encountered the God of glory, you'll never be the same. How can you say that you've met God and yet you remain the same? How can you say you've met God and have no deep desire to love Him? No willingness to obey Him? No desire to yield your life to Him? These sailors were changed. They offered a sacrifice right there on the boat and they vowed vows, meaning they gave themselves to God. They weren't just saved from the wrath. This was transformative. They entered into a relationship with the one true God. The suspicions of the gods of Dagon and Kemosh, are they really gods? Are they real do they really have power? all melted away before the power of Jehovah who plants His footsteps on the seas and rides the skies and the waves with all power and dominion in His hands. They met the living God. And they were never the same. Never the same. Their soul was changed. You can't tell me that you cannot encounter, uh, that you can encounter the, the the cross of Calvary where Jesus bled and died for your sins and walk away with your hands in your pockets. That was nice. Now what? When we face that cross and we realize what he's done for us. And how He saved us from the wrath to come, we cannot help but walk away saying, All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. We can't continue on the same. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. James David Ford was a chaplain for the United States House of Representatives from 1979 to 2001. He tells a personal story about when he was a young man in 1976. He sailed the Atlantic Ocean with a couple of his friends in a 31-foot vessel, and they sailed from Plymouth, England to New York City, 5,992 miles. During the trip, in their small boat, they encountered a hurricane. Some of the waves from that hurricane were 35 feet high. And frankly, the man was scared to death. His father had told him before he left, Don't go. You have five children. Wait until they're all grown. The hurricane went into its third day, and he thought of his father's words constantly about his children. He thought, "Why am I out here? Was this the thing that I thought was courage and adventure? Really, so fool, just harder a foolhardy." Uh, uh, foolhardy? The skies were black and the clouds scuttled by. I wanted to pray to God and stop the storm, but I felt guilty because I'd voluntarily given into this. I didn't have to go across the ocean. James Ford finally wrote, or James Ford wrote, finally, I came up with a marvelous prayer of seven words. Oh God. I've had enough. Amen. Within a half hour of that simple prayer, the sky in the west lifted up like a screen in a theater and there was nothing but blue. God, I've had enough. That's all Jonah had to say. God, I've had enough. I don't want to rebel against you anymore. I don't want to keep running. The sailors, God, that's what they did. I've had enough. I've had enough. You've proved yourself. I can't row any further. I can't save myself. God, I've had enough. Would that be your prayer today? In whatever spiritual state you find yourself in, God, I've had enough. I've had enough running. I've had enough of rebellion. I've had enough sin. God, I've had enough. I'm coming home. I'm coming to be with you. I'm yielding myself to you. Let's all stand to our feet as we come to a moment of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The aftermath... Of a stormy mess. The destruction that was reaped in this storm was amazing. Jonah was thrown overboard. But on the other side of this storm, life came to these sailors. And through this storm, eventually, God would track down His own. If you are here today why don't you save yourself some pain? Why don't you save yourself an occasion in the belly of the whale and get right with God today? Why don't you bow on that ship and stop your running and take off your self-righteous robe and say, God, it's me. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If you're here today and you, like those sailors, the dawn, the light of the gospel is dawning on your heart. You're beginning to realize the God of heaven has brought you to this occasion, this place. And you've walked in darkness for too long. Lay hold of Jesus today. Lay hold of Him. Come in faith to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. You come. The Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that You would she would work in hearts during this invitation time. Mine as well. God, I need you. I need you now more than ever. Father, I pray you'd cleanse us. God, that you'd make us one in your presence. Father, I pray you'd would, you would reclaim the backslider. That you'd save the sinner. God, do hard work among us this morning. Father, we ask this for Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen and amen. What song are we singing? 366, I surrender all. Why don't you come to Jesus today? Whatever you need. Whatever you burden. You may have heavy burdens upon you. You need to bring them to the Lord. You may, have to, you may have need to have sin confessed. Another aspect of looking at Jonah is that's the sin on the boat. You need to get him out of there. Kick him off the boat. Cut off the hand. Pluck out the eye. Get rid of it. You come as we begin to sing. I'm trusting to unseen hand. we hope and pray that today's episode of the unseen hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you for more information such as other podcasts ministry helps blog posts previous sermons or how to contact brother brown directly just go to ronniebrown.net join us next time for another message from brother ronnie on the unseen hand podcast until then may god's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home the unseen hand